This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity May. It's a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Pumped to be again doing another shallow dive into a company that has been suggested by one of our community members for our summer series as we take a bit of a break over the Christmas New Year period. We are looking at 10 companies and doing a bit of a shallow dive, trying to understand what they're all about and have a bit of a crack at evaluation, just primarily to show people how uh, we go about our business and I guess show that it's not as easy and or difficult. <laughs> so today, Ren, our company that we are going to be deep diving into is called Fluence, Fluence Corp. The ASX ticker is FLC. They are currently trading at 45 cents. But before we go any further, yes, you're going to spruik uh, shirts and get started investing. Oh, thank you for the housekeeping. <laughs> yes. Before I do go any further, thank you for the reminder. If you haven't yet bought any of our merchandise we have og t-shirts available men's and women's sizes only a few left uh giving the opportunity now before we change the design and do a bit of a reprint price so, hasn't taken his off since he got it and it is looking dank right absolutely, now absolutely yeah so uh if anyone wants to buy that by all means they can go to equitymates.com forward slash shop to to purchase uh it would be a great new year's gift for anyone also, Get Started Investing, our latest podcast, our 12-part series on all the fundamentals that you need to get started on your investing journey. If you've just joined the Equity Mates show, welcome. Thank you for joining. You will be surrounded by an awesome community of, uh, of investors. And uh, if you would like some of your mates to join you, then please get them stuck into Get Started Investing, which will be in your podcast feeds now. Simply search it and it should come up. So get, a, get on board and looking forward to having you on the journey. Now, back to Fluence, Ren. Yes. So, as I said, trading at 45 cents, its ASX ticker is FLC, and it has a market cap of $242 million. So, sort of just above that small cap, micro cap. Hold on. $281 million. Again, Yahoo. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Come on, Yahoo. Lift your game. Wow. So, there we go. Yahoo well, Finance this again. Is, this is from Google. Google has $281.09 million. 
Okay. Well, it shouldn't be that we- hard. It's just share price times the number of shares outstanding. That's exactly- Google and or Yahoo, lift your game. That's exactly how you do it. Okay. Well, we will go with, I guess we'll have to go with the higher, what does uh, Google have as their share price? Imagine if that's wrong. <laughs> 45. Yeah, okay. So that's right. So it must just be to do with the number of shares on issue they've got differently. Unless it's like fractions of a cent, but that shouldn't make a, a $40 million, $40 million difference. difference. Yeah. Anyway, it's in the 200s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ballpark. <laughs> it just goes again to show you how confusing this can be for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ren, I like this company from the point of view of what they're doing. Yes. They are trying to solve a real world issue, and that is a water scarcity and the quality of water. What Fluence do is they're a leader in decentralized water and waste management solutions. So I guess decentralized water treatment is essentially where you use, dispose of, treat waste within small communities. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be small communities, but that's generally where the application lies. And so, yeah, they're on the, the challenge now of, I guess, helping world water scarcity. Yes. Big challenge. Yeah. So some context for just how big the challenge is. 75% of the world's population are currently experiencing water shortages. Wow. Yeah, massive. Wow. And 80% of the world's wastewater is released without treatment. So, you know, if you think about our sewage, it goes to a sewage treatment plant and it gets treated. 80% of the world's wastewater isn't and 75% of the population are experiencing water shortages. Like these are massive issues. What fluents do is they make sort of containerized solutions. Like if you think about a wastewater treatment plant that you sort of bespokely design and engineer from scratch. It's millions and millions of dollars per you know million litres that go through it. This is meant to be significantly cheaper. I couldn't find good pricing on how much cheaper. I could find engineering estimates that a wastewater treatment plant costs about a million bucks per million gallons a day. Gallons for me is whatever yeah yeah yeah. it's about a liter probably but I, I don't know what the comparison is but logic would dictate that a containerized prefabricated solution that they can just drop in is cheaper than engineering something from scratch so that's what they're trying to do yeah have you seen the bill gates documentary on netflix the his latest one three-part series no it's a, a look into the life of bill gates essentially as it's as he stands today Incredibly interesting. It, it it really tries to highlight what is he actually doing now with his money from a philanthropic point of view. And also it goes into a bit of detail, all the startups that he's funding yeah. and around his mission of all of this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, you know, he wants yeah. to cure Polo. Um, when he read about the impact of, you know, poor water treatment around the world, he set out to essentially create a toilet and a water treatment plant that was cheap enough that it could be rolled out at scale Mm. took him years and years and years and you know so much money to come to a solution and there's a funny scene where it's the first time that water comes out of the plant after starting as poo essentially comes out as fresh water and he goes to take a sip of it and his face is like but um yeah fascinating (laughs) but to your point it just highlighted how incredibly expensive a problem it is to get these pre-engineered you know drop-ins that are cheap enough that you can do it at enormous scale so what you're saying is that this company has a competitor that's backed by bill gates or they're competing against bill gates (laughs) (laughs) yes okay do you know what that company's called no okay well maybe it's this company 
Ren, after a bit of research, it's not really a competitor. So what he did was come up with the system using a bunch of engineering and, and looking at actually using worms as a way of decomposting. However, what they did was then granted $5 million to London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine to perfect the technology. And then once that was perfected, they just went to a large manufacturer in China to start pumping out these toilets at 350 bucks a pop. They are a competitor to this company. I guess so. Long story short. Yeah. I mean, it offset, like if communities we're going to demand this, then now they might now be able to get a cheaper one subsidised by Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah. However, this is toilet specific. I feel what Fluence does is more of a drop-in water, larger water treatment solution. Yeah. It's slightly different. Slightly. However, <laughs> we digress. So I think before we get into the problem and the solution that Fluence are trying to address, it's probably worth explaining the company because there's a bit of a history there. So there was an ASX-listed company called Savcor Group that looks like it went into a receivership in 2014 and it was delisted from the ASX. Then in 2015, it looks like uh, there was a reverse takeover where Israeli company Emefcy, E-M-E-F-C-Y, essentially took over Savcor. Their company relisted on the ASX on the back of that. And so in the 2015 annual report, it's called... Emphasy. 2016, still called Emphasy. It set up sales office around the world, started doing a bunch of stuff, strategic partnerships in China. 2017, it acquired another company called RWL Water Group, and that combined company became Fluence Corporation, and that's the company that we're talking about today. So, it's gone through a couple of iterations, and I guess it sort of merges technology as it goes, but Fluence itself as a company called Fluence is really only since 2017. The problem that it's solving is, you know, as we touched on, pretty universal, 75% of the population experiencing water shortages. As you can imagine, a lot of that is in the developing world. And so its main areas of operation are China, the Middle East, the Caribbean, Latin America, and Africa. In 2017, for wastewater, it had two plants and now it's got 88 today including 68 in China and for its desalination so taking salt water and turning it into fresh water it had 11 in 2016 and that's now to 29 in 2019 so it's growing absolutely and as climate change continues and we perhaps might see more and more areas affected by drought in developed countries I could imagine that they, these sorts of technologies will become more and more important outside of perhaps the traditional use that they've been developed for. 100%. Yeah. I think there is no doubt that as a macro theme, water is extremely important. Yeah. But the question then becomes, how does that macro theme and this company specifically interact? Yeah. And as you work through some of the intricacies of it all, I think you can you can probably start to see some questions raised about this specific company. So I guess the main question that I had to understand because I didn't really have a lot of experience with this is the difference between a centralized water system and a decentralized water system because that's their biggest thing here is that they are a leader in decentralized water systems. Is this something you were aware of beforehand? I mean, the, I, I guess the best analogy is if you think about electricity generation, you, you have your big engineered plants, yeah. which would be the, in this analogy, your wastewater treatment plant or desalination plant. 
massive capital to build, massive time to build. You need the right amount of land. You need the whole lot of things. So compare that to an electricity generator that you put in a container or something. You can just drop somewhere. That's the same here. These are basically containerized, all of them. So you essentially can just find a clearing, drop this in, plug and play. That's really the analogy. Rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. To that point, their their systems are designed, pre-engineered, low cost, small, almost like a, a uh, an Ikea table. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pick I'm- it up, unpack, away you go. <laughs> I'm sure they'd appreciate you calling it that. But now- Here's where the rubber hits the road and here's where questions can start to be asked because everything in their investor presentations, all of that stuff is around these containerized solutions. They offer cost advantage, speed to use advantage, and there's a whole lot of case studies where they're the right solution. However, if you start to pull apart apart their financial numbers, what you see is that uh, in the last year, they made revenue of 101 million US dollars. The vast majority of that didn't actually come from these containerized modular treatment options. The vast majority of it, 70 million of the 101 million, actually came from building like custom engineered plants. (laughs) What a stitch up. (laughs) So that's not to say that the modular treatment device segment isn't growing. It's up to $22 million, which is up from the year before. But it is important to keep in mind that this company still predominantly makes its money from the old way of doing things, engineering specific solutions for specific areas rather than its modular solution. So they've got two forms of revenue then. They've got their custom engineered system, which they build for, I guess, individual customers. And then they've got their pre-engineered side of things, which is a much smaller proportion of their revenue stream at the moment, but growing. Yes. Yeah. My question is then, I wonder, it sounds like then they're just using their expertise from uh, experience in building custom engineered solutions and trying to then get into the the pre-engineered sort of product space. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that Coke fridge or your fridge at home is different to a supermarket custom engineered fridge i imagine whilst they both treat water there they are different in a number of ways but yeah like that's that's essentially what they're trying to do they think they've got a better way to do this and i think that the logic makes sense it's just is this company delivering on that two completely different customers as well hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss one is probably one that has a lot of money to spend 
and that's with your custom engineered. And then the other is probably a customer that doesn't have a lot of money to spend on this sort of stuff. And I can imagine would be a harder sales pitch to get that out at, at mass. Yeah, I mean, look, they're basically just selling to governments. Right. Uh, there's some like some resorts and stuff. It looks like are buying some of their prefabricated modular ones, which is a pretty good use case. Yeah, but like a lot of their big sales are things like you know they're building a a desalination plant for Egypt at the moment. I'm pretty sure they're building a wastewater treatment plant for the country escapes me. I'm pretty sure it's the Ivory Coast. So, yeah, like governments generally are responsible for wastewater treatment and, right. you know, water supply. So, their big customer is a government. And then the question is, at what level of government are you selling to, you know, local government, which is probably more the the cheaper, easier stuff? Or like if you're selling to like Egypt, they're probably going to want something that's big. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, so that was one red flag for me that despite all their talk about this prefabricated solution, they still make the vast majority of their revenue from these custom engineered stuff. The other question for me, we often talk about companies that underpromise and overdeliver being good companies. This company definitely is the inverse of that. 2018, if you go through some of its investor presentations and stuff like that, it projected big increases in revenue and sustainable profitability by Q4 2019. In its half-year results in 2019, its revenue was down 27.5% and its earnings were down 67%. So, despite what it promised at the end of 2018, just six months later, it was far off that. So, that, that was red flag number two for me. Number three, companies that do big engineering projects report a metric on backlog. The classic example of this is companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, yeah. stuff like that. Because Pi- Pipeline. Yeah, because they enter multi-year contracts yeah. and so they they have that revenue pipeline essentially and they only recognize it as revenue in the year that they get paid. But it's good to know that a big pipeline means a big- Healthy uh, balance sheet. Well, yeah, a big flow of future revenue. Yeah. So, at the end of 2018, Fluence reported a backlog of $267 million worth of work. That's pretty strong. By, by the next half, the backlog had increased to $278 million, so increased by $11 million. But at the same time, its revenue dropped 27.5%. So, there's many reasons why that could be the case, why the backlog increased and their revenue decreased. But that is something that I'd like to know the answer to. Why is it that if their revenue dropped so much, why couldn't they convert more of that backlog into actual work in the half? I mean, it could be to do with the the length of time that it actually takes to deliver. 100%. There's, yeah. there's many reasons that that could be, but it's definitely a question that I have. And then the last one is its net tangible assets dropped from $0.08 cents a share, sorry, eight, yeah, $0.08 cents a share to $0.05 cents a share, which is... Yeah, close to halving. So it'd be interesting to understand why that was the case as well. Net tangible assets? Yes. Oh, what, what does it mean? Yeah. So net tangible assets are the total assets of a business less any intangible assets. So things like goodwill or intellectual property. So we're talking about the physical assets of a business, its plant, its equipment, its stuff like that, minus its liabilities. So it's debt and stuff like that. So either it's had to have an increase in debt or its assets have dropped in value. Yes. Yeah. You could say potentially what it's done is it's been, it held a whole lot of stock and then it sold a whole lot of stock and the stock it was holding, which has a value decreased, but then that wasn't reflected in the revenue number. 
Nice. So a few red flags is what I'm hearing from you, Ren. A few questions, I think. Yeah, yeah. Un- unanswered questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the comment you made around um, over-promising, under-delivering, or vice versa, under-promising, over-delivering. That's in some recent interviews we've done from a small cap perspective, that's certainly what they uh, fund managers look for when it comes to a, a quality stock. So to, I guess see that it's not, I guess, meeting the expectations of management is a good call out. So in their half yearly update, they affirmed their guidance that they would hit sustainable profitability by Q4 2019. So if you're watching this stock and you're thinking about how they guide and do they deliver on their guidance, that might be a key one to look for. So that's going to be the end of December results. End of December, yeah. Because they are not profitable at the moment, which isn't in and of itself isn't a problem, but you would hope to see that change given they're guiding for it. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. So Ren, let's move now to, I guess, valuation of this stock. Again, it's going to be a little bit tricky because we've got a, a negative earnings per share. Yes. Now, we're obviously not going to be able to get a price to earnings ratio for it either. So how would we go about valuing this company if we can't really do a decent comparative estimation using PE or a discounted cash flow? To do a comparative one, to compare it to other stocks, you could maybe do a price to sales. Yep. And if we see, what, 32 cents a share of revenue at a share price of 45 cents. So price to sales is pretty good, you would think, about about one and a half. Yep. Off the top of my head, a bit, a bit under one and a half, which is, I imagine, is pretty stock standard. It's probably right smack bang in the middle of, of its sector. So by that metric, you could say not too cheap, not too expensive. You'd want to hope that it has a path to profitability. You're right. Discounted cash flow becomes really difficult. If you really want to get in there, grind and do the work, you can start trying to forecast how it becomes profitable in the years ahead, uh, what its sales pipeline looks like, when it will recognize that revenue, what it will do in terms of cost out and try and start projecting what the cash flow will look like. Um, We didn't do that. (laughs) Um, And also doing the Roger Montgomery style of valuation becomes difficult because it's got a negative return on equity as well as its losses have deepened. So look, I think in terms of trying to explain where the market has landed in terms of price, I think it is sort of anchored to its revenue number, its sales number, and we'll wait and see if it can create a path to profitability. So Morningstar have come in again with their fair value estimation at 52 cents a share. So it's pretty much trading within that band at, what is it now, 45? 45, yeah. 44, 45. So uh, nothing too alarming coming from them either. So I guess it's an interesting company for me, Ren. I like what they're trying to achieve in terms of your call out of, uh, you know, the, the world leader in decentralized. Well, that's probably a bit more of a marketing play than anything if you look at how their revenue is constructed at the moment. But certainly in an area of macro theme that I um, think is A, important and B, if they do it right, will be positioning themselves pretty well. Yeah. And look, if you wanted to make the bull case for them, you would say, one, the macro theme is there, and two, they're getting more of these units out. Like The fact that they've got, went from two in 2017 to 88 in 2019 in terms of their wastewater treatment plants, like that alone is a really good sign. Yeah. But yeah, I guess there are some questions that I would have before I put my own money into it. 
And where do you think this falls in your circle of confidence? I think this is learnable. Yeah. Yeah. Conceptually, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's water. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're humans are 70% water. <laughs> well, by, by that fact, then we should uh, be hailing this. Yeah. <laughs> now, I agree. I think more than anything, it, it, it would be the interest in what they're doing that would uh, bring it into my realm of uh, competence. So, but again, I had to understand what a decentralized was at the beginning. So, yeah, interesting company. Yeah, very. Well, we'll leave it there, Ren. Pick it up again next episode with another summer series, Shallow Deep Dive. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.